Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Uh, it's just always great to be with you, and especially on this 4th of July weekend. In fact, uh, Pastor Jared called and he said, hey, brother, would, would you consider 4th of July weekend, um, do you believe in free speech? And I said, absolutely. I, as Americans, our freedoms, our liberties, I believe in free speech. And he said, great, would you come and give one? I, I'm just joking. He didn't say that, but he did invite me to come, and I, I love this weekend because when we start celebrating the 4th of July, we understand that freedom is not free. It costs something, didn't it? Uh, our liberties that we have as Americans, it costs a lot. The freedom that we have in Christ Jesus costs our Savior his life. And so I want to encourage you during the 4th of July, uh, as you celebrate our freedom and liberty, just to reflect on that idea that, that freedom isn't free, that there are so many people who have sacrificed uh, for us to have what we have. But I, I want to share the word with you, so I want to ask you to grab your source for scripture. We're going to dive deep into the word today, three chapters, Acts chapter 11, Galatians chapter 5, and 1 John chapter 3. Uh, we're excited to have people joining us around uh, California, across the country. Thank you for joining us today. It's going to be a good day in the Lord. Do you have your source for scripture? Let's read. Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse number 5. Now this is an event that takes place uh, in the life of Simon Peter. Simon Peter has this vision, and he says, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter begins to have an inner struggle right here because he's, he's struggling with this idea of being under the law. Uh, as a Jew following the Jewish tradition, and he's being challenged at this point to share what he has through Jesus Christ with the Gentiles. But I said, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, and this is what I want to ask you to highlight or underline, where we're going to just take a few moments and consider what God has cleansed, you must not call common. When God cleanses you, you're no longer common. There's something that happens inside of you that creates a new picture, a new person, and so if we read on down uh, verse 15, we see that Simon Peter does go to Caesarea 
and he begins to speak. And as he speaks to the Gentiles and shares this gift of salvation, something happens. The Holy Spirit falls upon them as upon the disciples at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, how Jesus said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them this same gift of the Holy Spirit as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Today I want to just talk to you about the idea, get God and don't ever get over him. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning because you have given so much to us. You have given us freedom. You have given us liberty. You have given us your Holy Spirit to live this Christian life with anticipation of an incredible present and future. I just ask that you open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to understand that we might be changed and transformed by your word. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. amen. Hey, would you say this after me? Get God. Get God. Don't ever get over him. I was having this uh, conversation with a dear friend, and we were talking about the freedom that we have in the Spirit. And she asked me a question that was extremely profound, and I want to share it with you. She asked me the question, what does a 21st century Spirit-led, Spirit-filled Christian look like? What does a 21st century Spirit-led, Spirit-filled Christian look like? In fact, we spent the next 30 minutes talking about it, and I'm going to share some of our conversation with you because I think it's important when we talk about this idea that we have this Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, I'm sure some of us have thought about the same idea. What does it really mean to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? What does the Spirit life really look like? In fact, I want to ask you two questions and then give you two observations. And that's the first question. What does the spirit life look like? In fact, grab your notes from your program, pull it out, because I want you to follow along and write some things in so you can consider these ideas over this next week. But to answer that question, what does the spirit life look like? Let's go to Galatians 5. Verse 16 says, If we walk in the spirit, now, this is the first part of the sentence, so it's a phrase producing this idea that it's a question. If we walk in the Spirit, meaning there's a choice. We can choose to walk in the Spirit or not choose to walk in the Spirit. In fact, if we just dive down a little bit deeper and we look at the word walk there. In the Greek, it's the word peripateo, which presents us with the picture of walking with something that is so familiar that we don't even have to think about it. Everywhere I, I live, I like to find a, a walking path or a running path. When I was here in Santa Clarita, uh, in our neighborhood, I... I discovered this, 
this running path that was about a mile long, and I'd throw my earbuds in, put in, uh, you know, my podcast, or I would put some worship music in, and I would run this same path to the point I, I would run it two or three times a week that I didn't even have to think about where I was running. I was listening to my podcast, but I wasn't thinking about the path because it was so familiar to me. So if we answer the question, what does the spirit life look like? We have to begin with the idea that it looks like someone who is familiar with the Holy Spirit, where he's such a part of our lives that we really don't even have to think about it, that we, we know he's right there with us at all times, just like breathing and eating. We breathe in, we breathe out. I don't think about that. Do you think about breathing, breathing in, breathing out? That's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. Breathe in, Holy Spirit's with us. Breathe out, Holy Spirit's with us. How about eating? Do you think about when you raise your fork that your mouth opens? No, you lift your fork, your mouth automatically opens, you shovel the food in, right? You don't even think about how you eat because it is so familiar to you. So someone who is enjoying the spirit life is someone who has such a familiar relationship with the Holy Spirit that you're not even really thinking about it because he's just there with you at all times. Can I get a witness today? We go on and we read the rest of that verse and it says, if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now that one's a little bit more challenging. So what is a spirit... What does the spirit life look like? Someone who is familiar with the Holy Spirit and someone who does not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We all recognize that there's a war that's taking place on the inside. Paul talks about that. You know, I, I struggle from time to time. The life of the flesh is warring against the life of the spirit. I like to refer to it as, you know, you've got these two dogs that are fighting inside of you. You've got a good dog and a bad dog. And someone said, well, how do you know which dog is winning? And I, I would say the dog that you're feeding the most. And so we have this battle that's being waged in us. And I, honestly, I, I've talked to some people and they will say, you know, Wayman, I, I'm, just a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I fall short of the glory of God. And then they may throw in a scripture like 1 John chapter 1 that says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Perhaps not understanding that that scripture is really talking about the fact that if we say we have no sin or that we're not capable of sinning, it's not the fact that we are sinning, it's the idea that we are capable, we have a carnal nature, we're capable of sinning, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And of course, if, if they're saying, you know, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, to, to communicate the idea that, you know, I'm an imperfect person, I get that. We all get that. In fact, many of you have heard me say before, we are imperfect people living in an imperfect world serving or following a perfect God who has a perfect solution. 
So there's no one perfect who is sitting in here. But if they're saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace and I fall short of the glory of God, to justify their continual sin, then that's another story. Because what we're going to find here in Scripture is that when you are walking in the spirit life, you are not continually sinning. You are not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. In fact, we'll go there. 1 John chapter 3. Whoever abides in God, in Christ, does not sin. This is two chapters later. So it's like John's wrapping up his message and he's saying, okay, I'm going to give my final thoughts on this so you understand. Whoever abides in God does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now again, this is a progressive tense in the Greek. So what we're hearing is this idea. Follow along. Whoever abides in Christ does not continue to sin. Whoever continues to sin has neither seen him nor known him. So it's not that we're capable of sinning, it's that we choose to cease from continuing to sin. Right? We, we go ahead and read in verse 9, whoever is born of God does not, and again, it's still the progressive in the Greek, the progressive tense, whoever is born of God does not commit continuing sin, for God's seed remains in him. And he cannot continue to sin because he is born of God. In fact, look at, for God's seed remains in him. If we go back to our, our text in Acts chapter 11, the scripture says what God has cleansed, don't call that common. Because it's an uncommon supernatural experience that when you were born again, God places his spiritual seed in you. In fact, it's, it's crazy. The Greek word here is sperma. It's where we get sperm. So God supernaturally places his seed in you so that now you begin to reflect his nature and his character. So <laughs> now the things that you used to do all of a sudden, that God seed in you is saying, you can't do that anymore. And your conscience becomes more sensitive to the things that you used to do because now it's not just you. You have God's seed reflecting his nature in you, declaring that you can no longer do that. Everything produces after its kind. Apples produce apples. Dogs produce dogs. Human beings produce human beings. God's seed produces. God's seed produces God. So you cannot live the life of the Spirit continuing to fulfill the lust of the flesh because that's not God in you. <laughs> So when somebody says, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, 
I want to yell to the top of my lungs and say, you were a sinner saved by grace, but now you have God's seed on the inside of you calling you to a different life in the spirit. Oh, I, I fall short of the glory of God. You fell short of the glory of God, but now you have the glory of God who is the person and presence of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you so that now you can no longer do the things that you were doing So what does the spirit life look like? It looks like someone who's familiar with the Holy Spirit, someone who does not walk according or fulfill the lust of the flesh. No wonder Paul said, shall we continue? There's the word continue again. In sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No, because the life of the spirit calls you to a different victory in your spiritual walk. Let's look at the third idea. We've looked at Galatians 5, 16, 18. Uh, now let's look at the next part, uh, which talks about someone who does not live under the law. Verse 18. Let's look, go back to verse 18. If we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. So what does the Spirit life look like? Someone who does not live under the law. I think at times all of us have tried to reconcile the idea that how do we superimpose the Old Testament law on our New Testament lives? How do we superimpose the law, the Mosaic law, in our newfound faith. And we will say, well, you know the Ten Commandments. We follow the Ten Commandments. Those are part of the Mosaic Law. And, and yes, those are important. But there's even one commandment in there that says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And in Jewish tradition, the Sabbath day is Saturday. And there are certain restraints that come with that that you have to follow so that those who are perhaps non-Jewish in our community of faith here today would probably not be following one of the Ten Commandments. So how do we reconcile that? We follow nine of them, but not ten of them. Then there's some other laws that are somewhat strange, like don't cook a young goat in its mother's milk. I mean, how does that relate to us today? Or how about the law that says you can't take clothing, you shall not take clothing and wear two types of material. So if you're wearing cotton and polyester today, you're breaking the law. I'm breaking the law today. Or how about this one? You, you shall not eat pork. So those of you who had bacon and eggs this morning, you broke the law, right? 
Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? And then, and then Paul comes along and he says, uh, if you are led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. What? Well, let's see if we can figure it out. If we look at Galatians chapter 3, here's what he says two chapters earlier. Before faith came, we were under the law. It was a no-brainer. The law was our covering. The law was our protection. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster, for we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, according to Moses' law, in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, that was the covering. But then when Jesus came, there was a substitute. We traded the shade of the law for the shade of the cross. He became the standard. Instead of the law, instead of traditions, instead of culture, so that's why Jesus comes along in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you know, you've heard it said, the law says don't commit adultery. But I say, whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in his heart. The law says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, if someone smites you on your cheek, turn to him the other also. The law says, if someone asks you to go a mile, go a mile. But I say... Go with him an extra mile. The, the religious leaders were bombarding Jesus when he walked the earth saying, you're breaking the law. You're destroying the law. You're moving beyond the boundaries of the law. So what does Jesus say? Don't think that I came to destroy the law. I didn't come to destroy it. I came to complete it. So now I... We're not looking silly like Pastor Wayman on the stage walking around under this little umbrella because we've traded in the umbrella for the life of the Spirit. And if we are led by the Spirit, we're not under the law. So I'll give you an example. If we go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, Jewish tradition, nor uncircumcision, Gentile tradition avails anything but faith working through love. Let me give another example. For in Christ Jesus, neither eating hot dogs or not eating hot dogs avails anything but faith which worketh through love. For in Christ Jesus, wearing two types of material or one type of material avails anything but faith which works through love. But now watch this. For in Christ Jesus, neither murder or non-murder avails anything, but faith working through love doesn't work. Because it's a universal moral principle that Jesus established as a covering. So we can't disregard murder, disregard theft, disregard adultery, 
disregard moral truths that have been established as universal truth according to the Old Testament, but we still understand as we are led by the Spirit, Jesus now becomes the standard. So throw something in there if you are questioning it. If it's a universal truth, you need to follow it. But if it has to do with eating hot dogs, you don't have to follow it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So what does a spirit life look like? One who's familiar with the spirit, one who's not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, one who is not under the law. Second question, which is really important, it's the activation question. How do we access the life of the spirit? How do we access the spirit life? We read now, verse 25. If we live in the spirit, again, there's the choice. Now we have the choice of accessing or walking in the spirit. We live naturally, we walk willfully. We don't think about living because it's natural, breathing in and out. But to walk, we have to stand up and we have to do it. When it comes to accessing the life of the Spirit, we have to purposefully engage Him. Or, let me just say it this way, develop an appetite for the Holy Spirit. This is no joke. I'm I'm being serious right now. I have the spiritual gift of food. I mean, I, I am so discerning when it comes to food. I, there are just certain things that I've developed an appetite for. I mean, I will put certain foods on my calendar. I will put Starbucks some mornings on my calendar because I have developed an appetite. Many of you know for a venti ice caramel macchiato upside down with light caramel. (laughs) I have developed an appetite for that. When I come back to Santa Clarita, and I will confess all, there is a particular taco truck (laughs) that I have put on my calendar. And I'm not gonna tell you where it's at because you'll be there when I go. And when I'm in Texas, I put Andy's frozen custard on my calendar. I mean, Southern Californians, you have lots and lots of things, but frozen custard. Incredible. The first time I ate my wife Kimberly's lasagna, it was so good that I think my tongue about beat my brains half to death trying to get to it because I have developed an appetite for it. Let me ask you a question. How can you live the life of the Spirit if you haven't developed an appetite for the Holy Spirit? How how can you live the life of the Spirit if you're not putting Him on your calendar? If you're not pursuing Him? If you're not seeking after Him? To access the Holy Spirit, you have to develop an appetite for the Holy Spirit. And then second of all, we need to pray to be used by the Spirit. Let me, let me ask you this question. What would happen over the next seven days if you actually prayed and said, Holy Spirit, use me in a mighty way this next week? 
What would happen in your life if you prayed that prayer? Over the next seven days, Holy Spirit, use me like you've never used me before. What would happen? Well, I'll tell you probably that everywhere you go, there would be comfort. Because the Holy Spirit is the comforter. So stress levels would go down in your life. The stress level of other people would lessen in their lives. Because if you're being used by the Holy Spirit and he's a comforter, you're going to bring comfort to the atmosphere and every situation that you're involved in. Second, you're going to guide people into all truth. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He guides people into all truth. So you're going to find yourself magnifying your voice and guiding people toward the truth who is Jesus Christ. Because you're hearing the Holy Spirit, you're guiding people into truth. I don't know the way it is in your home or your household, but in my home, often the Holy Spirit sounds like my wife Kimberly. I mean, she's the Holy Spirit for me, right? I... I mean, honestly, when I get to heaven and I hear Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I know it's going to be Kimberly's voice. <laughs> I just believe that because she's that Holy Spirit. I, I'm somewhat joking there, but there's going to be something on the inside, the Holy Spirit who's speaking to you, guiding you into all truth and helping you to guide others into all truth. Can I get a witness? So let's finish with our text in Acts chapter 11. Because some of you are probably thinking, what in the world did that situation, that event in Simon Peter's life have to do with this idea of get God and don't ever get over him and the freedom that we have in the spirit? Well, here's Simon Peter. This sheet descends. Again, as I said, he's struggling with this whole idea of, of, of living under the law and this sheet comes and it has all these unclean animals. There's probably a pig in there. We don't know for sure, but probably a pig is represented because it symbolizes what is unclean for, for, for Jewish tradition. And the voice from heaven says, Simon Peter, I know you're struggling, but what God has cleansed, don't call it common. And if I could just make Two quick observations. The first one would be, get saved and don't ever get over it. Because when God cleanses you, you're no longer common. You start living the life of the Spirit. Something happens in you that moves you from where you are and sets you on a course that is uncommon. Get saved and don't ever get over it. Because I know that sometimes when you've been following Jesus for a certain length of time, it's almost like your spiritual energy at times can wane. And you're dragging yourself around. Or you barely drag yourself into the church building. And, you know, it... it, it 
takes you so much time to, to move aside from all the distractions instead of singing, I lift my hands in the sanctuary. I lift my hands and give you the glory. We sing, I fold my arms in the sanctuary. I get distracted in the sanctuary. It's like we have to work at giving God praise, forgetting of how much that he has done for us, that what God has cleansed is not common. Can I just simply remind you that it's a miracle that you're even here today. Can I remind you that it's a miracle that you have the gift of salvation? It's a miracle that you're not in some hospital bed somewhere holding on to life. It's a miracle that you're not already in some prison cell somewhere serving a life sentence. It's a miracle that you're not so doped up and high out of your mind that you're by some dumpster not even being able, being able to know what's up or what's down. It's a miracle that you're breathing the God breath into your body right now. It's a miracle that some of your kids are even serving God today. It's a a miracle today that you're not estranged from your family and in a place where there's no way out. It's a miracle today that you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Get saved and don't ever get over it. Hey. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were like the walking dead, alive on the outside, but dead on the inside until Jesus stepped up to your spiritual grave and said, loose her and let her go. Loose him and let him go. It's a miracle that you're even here today. Get saved. Don't ever get over it. But God's cleansed, don't you dare call common. And the second observation is, get filled and don't ever get over it. Because in the second part of the, the story, Simon Peter goes to the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of you understand when, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't ever want to go back. When you have a, a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, you don't ever want to go back. When you are familiar with the Holy Spirit, when you are not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, when you are no longer living under the law, you don't ever want to go back. When you've experienced what it means to have an appetite for the Holy Spirit, and you put him on your calendar, and you access him and say, Holy Spirit, I'm praying to you to help me over these next seven days to make a difference. You don't ever want to go back. Get filled and don't ever get over it. Maybe I should just say, get God and don't ever get over him. Because if you're stressed today, you're distressed, 
you're struggling, you're discouraged, you're depressed, I've got an answer for you. Get God. Get God. Don't ever get over him. I just simply can't say that I am serving a common God. I, I, can't, I can't say that this faith that I have is common. I can't say that the hope and the love in my heart is common. That this life of the Spirit, the freedom that I have in the Spirit is, is common. I am serving an uncommon God who is doing uncommon things in uncommon ways. Several years ago, I wrote a song, and it goes like this. You've got to tell somebody, stand up and testify, tell somebody, stand up and testify, tell somebody, stand up and testify, Jesus Christ is Lord. I used to live in sin with no thought of giving in to Jesus. I was living without hope. I was holding to a rope that was pulling me to hell's dark way. But Jesus came along and he gave me a brand new song, turned my life around and he put my feet on higher ground. He said, get up, get up, get up. Get up, get up, get up. You've got to tell somebody. Stand up and testify. Tell somebody. Stand up and testify. Tell somebody. Stand up and testify. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. What God has cleansed. You can't call that common. The life of the Spirit is not common. When you get God, you don't ever get over Him. There's something that cries out that says, I, I just can't keep this to myself. I've got to tell somebody else. I, I've got to stand up and share the God that I have, who is an uncommon God, doing uncommon things in uncommon ways. This morning, just want to challenge you during the 4th of July weekend, don't let this be a common week for you. When the fireworks are going off and we're celebrating freedom, would you just reflect on the idea that you've got God and you don't ever have to get over Him. You're free, freely you have received freely give that you have an uncommon God living on the inside of you. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment?